We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Nosotros crecemos cuando damos. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Welcome to ROG, Return on Generosity, a podcast celebrating generosity at work. Not financial giving, giving valuable time, alternative perspectives, and genuine collaboration. Today, our guest is Veronica Sheehan. She's a close friend who I adore. We met at Time Warner Turner, now Warner Media, where Veronica was Senior Vice President of Global Network Technology and Studio Operations. She led a team of over 1,600 people in the US, London, Buenos Aires, and Hong Kong. Then she became a partner at a venture capital and private equity firm and became the founder and lead navigator of OC Navigators, a consulting firm that helps nonprofit organizations. Veronica has always had a heart for service as a citizen of this country, community member, business leader, and supporter of nonprofits. She now channels her talent to help dreams come true by bringing hope to children with critical illnesses as the COO of Make-A-Wish Foundation Georgia. She uses her operational prowess to make the world a better place. As someone who has become a member of my family, who I deeply love, welcome Veronica Sheehan. Oh, thank you, Shannon. That was so nice of you. Veronica, your story is so unique and compelling. Could you just give us a sense of who you are, where you've come from, and a little bit of your life story? Sure. So I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, I was born and raised there. Uh, I'm the only girl, uh, the youngest. I was raised with three older brothers. In a middle-class family, my dad was a photographer, uh, high school educated. My mom was only high school educated. Um, I'm the only one that graduated from college in my family. My parents did divorce when I was pretty young, so I was really raised by a single mom. And she didn't have it easy, so she struggled a lot, but she had a work ethic that she never gave up. There were so many days that I could say, my mom should just be like crawled in a ball, just like, how am I going to do it from the abuse she got from my dad or just my brother's issues? And she just every day she got up, she got to work. She looked great. The house was well kept. You know, she just championed. And that to me is really who I am. I, I'm, a, I'm a product of that mom. And it really shaped me as an individual. And I can see that in so many areas of your character and the ways that you influence. How has that affected you at work? You know, in my family, uh, there was a lot of fighting. There was a lot of um, tension. And, you know, the one thing that I learned as I've grown and, you know, through, through therapy too, is that I didn't see individuals make up. I only saw the fight. And so I realized that there was really poor communication in my family as I grew up. So I always said to myself, I'm going to do my best to be a good communicator. And I went to college for communications journalism. You know, fast forward in my career, I'm running technology groups. I have no technology background. I have no science, math background. You know, I have a liberal arts degree, but it was focused in communication. And I've used that skill to be a good leader. Um, And so really that's how my childhood has affected me as a leader. Yes. And I've seen you in action and you are an exceptional communicator and you overtly tell people that that's a priority of yours. And you ask them to tell you how you could communicate 
more or differently. I think you owning that and making that a mission for yourself had so much positive impact on the teams and relationships that I've seen you influence. Thank you. One thing I will add, one of my favorite quotes is by George Bernard Shaw, and it's the problem with communication is the illusion it's been accomplished. And I use that as an operational tool for myself, for others. I'm like, are you sure they understand this? Are you sure do they know where we're going and what we're trying to do? It's as simple as that some days. Yeah. And not assuming that it's been already said or understood if it had been said, right? How many times you have to repeat something before someone actually really understands. So, you know, our, our topic is generosity at work and you work for one of the most generous organizations in existence. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do there and, you know, how the mission has inspired you? So, you know, I feel so, so fortunate and and blessed to, you know, have had the opportunity to become part of the Make-A-Wish family. Um, I was, you know, on the board of the Georgia chapter when I was working for Turner Broadcasting, now Warner Media. Um, and that's how I got involved and just fell in love with the mission. I, I have, there's two areas that I'm very passionate about is supporting women in business and uh, also kids. I have a huge, huge heart for kids missions. Um, and, you know, so after my deciding to kind of retire from the media business, I just kept helping out make a wish. And then here I am as their COO, their first COO. And it's just such an honor to be able to, to bring my skills to the table. But, you know, the thing that um, what I love about the mission is it is about creating life changing wishes for kids with critical illnesses. And today our mission can be seen by so many in what's going on in the world. Because if you think about what's happening right now, everyone has put their life on pause. When a child is diagnosed with a critical illness, that family puts everything on pause and the focus becomes fighting that illness. And it's exactly what's happening right now. And think about if you are someone that may not have the opportunity in just a year waiting for that COVID vaccine to make things normal again, some of these kids are never going to be in a normal situation again because they are, they do have life-threatening critical illnesses. So I feel so fortunate to be in a situation where I can support, you know, really hope for these Mm. kids. You know, it translates now to hope for everyone here in the world today. That is so well said and a great perspective for us to hold on to is that we need hope and that all of those acts matter. And, you know, even the way you described your mom about, you know, sometimes we just feel like we want to curl up in a ball, but to get back out there and to keep doing whatever it is that we think we can do or what we have access to. And I think you choosing that place to work was very deliberate on your part. And it was an opportunity for you to manage all of the things that I believe you're generous to. So could you just tell us a little bit about how you manage life as a working mom and how that career choice was so intentional for you. Yeah. So I adopted my son on my own. So I am truly a single mom by choice. Some days I'm like, what the heck did I do? Um, But he's my joy. He is my joy. It had been really difficult when I had a global role to, to manage it, had a lot of help, but that help was meaning that I was not his mom, right? I was not his mom 100% of the time. 
because I outsourced some of it. So I said, nope, he's got to be my focus, right? Um, he was having some challenges and I knew that I had to be more present for him. And I, I will remember when I left Turner and I was like, there were so many perks that I had that were beneficial for him, whether it was, you know, going with me to Washington to an event or, you know, meeting, you know, somebody at a basketball game or just, you know, fun event um, that I was like, oh my gosh, he was six. And I'm like, he's going to be upset that I'm, that I'm leaving. Um, never one minute, still doesn't bring it up. But he has said to me, he's like, mom, you can never leave Make-A-Wish. He is so now part of the mission too, because he sees it. You know, I get to bring him into work. I can bring him with me into a situation where he can see this impact every day. Um, and so he feels the my job sometimes more than I do, which is so unique. And it also gives me the flexibility I work you know, right now we're working from home, but it's really a 15, 20 minute drive. It's not the commute I used to have. I don't have to travel like I did. Um, Tim Early, our CEO, is such a family man and he knows Christopher comes first. Not that my old bosses didn't at Turner, but it was harder when you're running a 24-7 operation with so much for responsibility. Sure. So um, so it's the right it's the right thing for us as a family, the right mm -hmm. mission, the right purpose. And, yeah. you know, at this age and at this point in my life, I have to believe in your mission. I have to believe in your purpose. That says a lot about, you know, what you choose and how you prioritize. And one of our early guests on ROG is a woman named Michael Smith, who runs Cradles to Crayons in Philadelphia. Definitely. And she was sharing research about when you raise your children doing things for others, acts of service, philanthropy, you know, engaging in your community, that they grow up to be generous and philanthropic individuals themselves because they've seen it modeled since they were young. So I think it's gonna be really interesting to see how your son pays it forward and, and makes that part of how he runs his life. Yeah, I already see it. That's a really good point she, she made. I already see it with Christopher. You know, if I have an opportunity to bring food to homeless people, he's not afraid at all. He's mm -hmm. not, he'll be like, mom, you know, he'll be like, if we pass someone, if I don't give them money, he'd be like, mom, Mom, you gotta give him money. You know, he had an opportunity to uh, bring his old devices to GameStop. He thought he could get, you know, some cash, and they're like, "Ah, eh, it's not worth anything." He's like, "Well, we can donate it." He's like, "Please give it to someone that needs it." Like, "Oh, there's homeless kids that could use this. Great, please give it yeah, to them." Give it to them. That's beautiful. Talking about yeah. generosity and giving, and you know, you you've always been a proponent of and a model of generosity at work. You know, what are some of the ways that you have witnessed generosity at work? You know, I love seeing women supporting women. And I went to a leadership program that Time Warner had a bunch of women executives go through called Breakthrough Leadership. And the Simmons School of Management in Boston led it. And they spent a whole day on mentoring. And I realized at that point, I'm like, oh, wow, I work at, I was working on the studio side of the business at that time. And I was the only female VP. All the other female leaders were reported up into me. I'm like, why aren't women stepping up to want to lead in this space? And so I had asked the company to do a little like, can I do a coffee with Veronica? And they said, actually, we have bigger things we'd like to do. Can you lead it? And that was to start a business resource group. And I remember, you know, calling all these women that I either knew or or had heard of and knew that they had gotten opportunity through 
Turner, Time Warner, and I said, are you ready to help the next level? And with everyone, I mean, I can still remember those phone calls like, yes, what do you need me to do? Yes, what do you need me to do? And it just was so empowering to see that because, you know, women get a bad rap, right? Sometimes they're like, they don't support each other. I'm like, well, not in my career, not in my circles. I've seen women support women at the highest level and at the lowest level. And that to me is so, has always made me want to get up and go. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes as well, it was from Maya Angelou who said, when you learn, you teach, when you get, you give. And that's how I like to lead my life. What I love is that I know that there are volunteers, donors, that we don't have the same beliefs and things, but all I see is their heart of giving. All I see is their generosity. And that's the stuff we need to focus on. What's an example of one of your earlier experiences with working for a woman or having uh, female mentors yourself? So when I first started in the in the television business, I was in Manhattan and um, I was the assistant to the owner of the studio. And there was a woman named Jane Snyderman. She's now Jane Krennic. I didn't know her that well. We didn't interact a lot, but she saw something in me that I didn't guess, didn't see in myself. She told everyone, that girl, Veronica upstairs, seems really organized. She's got the temperament for this job. Let's give her the opportunity. So they gave me the opportunity. She would train me on it. And then she winds up leaving like six months later because she wanted to pursue something even bigger for herself. She would call me every day to give me her phone number where she was working for the day if I had any questions. And she would call me all the time to make sure I was okay. She didn't owe me anything. Mm. I didn't know her that long. She didn't owe me anything. Right. And I remember that generosity. Yes. This moment. So you're talking earlier about how to work together with people to have a greater purpose or have shared goals. Can you tell us more about that? When I was at Turner running network operations for the U.S., there was a lot of issues with that. Um, the team and the morale and understanding truly what they did as far as, you know, contributing to the, to the company, because it was very technical. It could be back end stuff. You know, I always joked with people and like, we were the end of the business at, you know, no one ever said, Hey, thanks that you're on today. But when we were not, when we were off, everybody knew it. So you didn't get a lot of accolades. Um, and so I worked with my team early on to make sure everyone understood the bigger picture. Like what is purpose? My whole philosophy is it's purpose, people, and process, right? First, you have to understand what are you doing? Where are we going? What's the objective? What outcome are we looking for? Making sure that messaging is clear around a purpose is key. George Bernard Shaw saying, problem with communication is the illusion it's been accomplished. Mm -hmm. So a shared purpose is so important. When we come back, Veronica is going to share with us the benefits and return on generosity. Introducing the brand new QuadPod Podcast Network. At QuadPod, we have a variety of podcasts that are as unique as you are. Visit QODPOD.com. The QuadPod Podcast Network. That's QODPOD.com. Welcome back to Return on Generosity with your host, Shannon Cassidy, and today's guest, 
Veronica Sheehan. If you could provide some examples of what is the return on generosity, and I know we don't give just to get, but the truth is we do get and there are benefits. So what would you say are some of the benefits of being a giver? I love seeing other people succeed. So lifting others brings me great joy. I mirror a lot of what you do, Shannon. You're just so full of, of light and it, it really makes a difference in people's lives. It really, really does. So if you can give joy, it lifts yourself up and you have daily gratitude, right? Like write your daily gratitude and you have your gratitude journals and, and uh, my five-year thing. When I write just a little smiley face, that changes my outlook. I keep writing and doodling smiling faces. So I'm going to challenge your audience to just doodle some smiley faces. There was a short film, I think it was called The Smile, and it was just, it was no audio. It was just black and white, I think. And it just was pictures and of people passing each other and just smiling and how one smile reacts to another smile, to another smile, to another smile, right? Yes. Um, the domino effect of a smile. So what are other ways that you see the return on generosity? I remember years ago when I went through that breakthrough leadership, I was struggling with a colleague and um, the coach at the time said to me, I want you to go back to your room tonight. And I want you to think about five things you like about this person. Uh, I went back to my room and I sat there and I was just really trying to find the things that I really liked about that person. And I came up with stuff that helps you see people in a different light. When you can see a part of them, you know, we're all in this battle, what's called life, right? And little things are going to make a difference, right? Whether it's at, at work or it's at the dry cleaners in your own home. And I struggle with this every day, every day. I am someone that is about continuous improvement. And, you know, I was saying to you earlier, offline was about my struggles with my son, you know, like, he likes to be on the Xbox too much and, you know, homework's not getting done. And instead of trying to find a gracious way and being generous in my feedback, I'm coming at him hot and that doesn't help. The return on being generous with your approach and your thought process will make this world, I hate to say it, a better place. Yes, it will. And so, you know, you've mentioned your relationship with Jane, your earlier boss, and you've also had a really great relationship with Dan. Can you tell us a little bit about him and how he modeled generosity in your opinion? Oh, wow. So Dan Darling was, uh, I would say my primary boss at, um, at Turner, yes. but Dan was the one that um, really, really propelled me. And he was always so gracious in seeing again, just like Jane saw things in myself. I didn't see in myself. He was a servant leader. That's, that was his style. And, you know, he would always put his people first. It was never about him. And he is somebody that I definitely tried to emulate in my career. He put me in situations where I was like, no way, absolutely not. I'm not taking that on. And if I didn't listen to him, I'm not, I would have not gotten to where I had gotten in my career. You know, I was working for him in Turner Studios as VP of operations. And then he's like, I think you need to go over to this part of the business and run that business, which was NetOps, network operations, which was broadcast operations. One of the least favorite jobs in the company. People were like, you're nuts for taking that on. There's no 
there's no joy in that job. And I'm like, well, I could bring joy into it. Um, but it was hard for me to see it initially. Dan's like, nope, I know you're the right person for this, for this group. Pushed me there. Then fast forward, I, you know, when I decided to adopt my son, I'm like, here, I'm going to be a single mom with this big executive job. You know, I went to him before I decided to do it saying, I'm going to need your support. And he said, 100%. Fast forward, Christopher comes into my life. He's now a year old. He's like, I think you need to run global operations. I'm like, are you nuts? I have a one-year-old. You remember I'm a single mom? He would not let me say no. He would not let the fact that I was a working single mom stand in my way. He said, we will make it work. You know, the opportunities I got from all the times that he pushed me, I used to talk about this, pushing me in the pool. I, I have to mention my friend, Maria Goldschall, who's uh, like my sister and um, also a, a big person that's pushed me in the pool because of her ability to see in me what I might not see in myself. So I just been surrounded by really great people in my life um, that have been generous with their offerings to, to see me succeed. That's awesome. And You've also been a contributing member to networks and groups like Turner Women Today and mm -hmm. Wicked and Betsy Magnus. Could you just say a little bit about your association with those groups and what benefit you see in participating in some form of a group that you can grow with and contribute to? Yeah, now very very fortunate that the cable and the media business had these has these organizations. Um, you know, not all your listeners are going to be in that, you know, sector. So go find them, start your own, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't have uh, a formal organization, then go find allies in your company. There will yeah. be there. Are you a starting member of the mm -hmm. Turner Women today? I started it. I founded it. Yeah. Okay. So you decided to do exactly what you're suggesting other people do, which is create one. Right. Create one. And there's resources out there to figure out. And seriously, if there's anyone out there of any of your listeners that want to start a business research group, get in touch with me. I'm happy to, you know, talk to your leadership, whatever you need me to do, or give you the tools that you need to, to get that started. Because I think it's imperative that women have the support they need. So Turner Women Today, and then I was lucky to be part of the Women in Cable Telecommunications, uh, another great group for the cable and media business. Those relationships, whether it's Turner Women Today or really my Betsy Magnus class out of Women in Cable Telecommunications, they are, they're my family. They are amazing individuals. They are my board of directors at times. They are, you know, the people that will get real with you. You know, we might not talk for a year. I know they're there and vice versa, right? And there's, there's just something to say about that. There's a, an amazing woman named Lisa Calhoun here in Atlanta who um, started Valor Ventures, and I was one of the first limited partners for her. There are not a lot of women in the venture capital world that start their own firms. Here is a woman-founded, woman-led venture capital firm, and they have a focus, not solely, but empowering those that are underserved in the capital space. That's women and minorities. You know, I said to Lisa, this could be a, an epic failure or this could be an epic success which is what we want but the fact that you're taking this risk i want to be on this journey with you my initial interest of seeing women succeed in the cable and media business now is transcending into what else can we do in the world my gosh that's profound and huge it's very much about that maya angelou quote that you just shared about that when you learn teach when you get give so when you get 
some of these resources and this experience, you want to give it to others. You want to create other environments like that where people can thrive. Yeah, because you see it works. You see it works. I remember the first time we had a report out to the executives um, and it was, you know, a diversity breakfast. And I could see some executives just like going through the motion, got to check this off. I went to the diversity breakfast. I heard the BRGs report out. And when we got up there and told the audience um, that we created a, it's called the Keys program, where we actually gave them a business case and to come up with business ideas for the company, they they were like, what? Oh my gosh, you're not just a bunch of girls that want to get together and talk about shopping? No, we're invested in this company. We want to see it succeed and we got ideas and they need to be heard. So if you can tie it back to the success of the business, you're not not going to get support. Excellent advice. Yes. So when you are passionate about something and you recognize a change that needs to happen, how do you tie it back to the business, make a mm -hmm. case for it, get us a, a group of smart people together to rally around it and to have that common shared purpose and mission like you spoke about earlier so that you can achieve the impossible, what seemed very unlikely or impossible, you know that if you galvanize the right talent, you can mm -hmm. achieve anything. Yep, absolutely. I've seen it work. So if you could give our listeners one bit of advice or something that you have learned through your, your life and your career that you know will help them on their journey, what, what's like a nugget of wisdom in addition to all the others that you've given us today? So, you know, the quotes that I mentioned, play it back write them down because they are, for me, a lot what drive me. I remember having one coach because I'm, I again, I'm a Brooklyn girl, I can be tough. And I was always, you know, earlier in my career, like, I don't know if I think, I don't like that person, right? And it was thrown back at me saying, you, it's not who you like, it's who you need. And right now, there is so much division and I challenge everyone to not think about who you like. It's about, we need one another. And, you know, you might be at home working and you're frustrated because, you know, John or Jane didn't get you what you need and, and it's causing you to delay your own work. Give them grace, give them grace. Every day, give them grace. Because I've seen when grace has been given to me in my career, it changes the outcome. So, I say again, give grace. If you learn, you teach, you get, you give and assume nothing in life. Mm -hmm. Assume nothing. Absolutely awesome. Oh, Veronica, thank you for who you are in the world and especially who you are in my life. You are a treasured friend and I'm so grateful for you. Right back at you, Shannon. Our OG takeaway tip, how to apply what we've learned to our own work and lives. Veronica shared many valuable insights for us to consider, two of which are from the quotes she shared about communication and generosity. The greatest problem in communication is the illusion that it has been accomplished. George Bernard Shaw. I've had this experience many times in my life and career. Sometimes the vision is really clear to me and I assume others see what I see. I've learned from feedback that I'm not always clear or I haven't said enough to be effective. Maybe I haven't repeated the message or found alternative ways of communicating. 
One way I have failed to communicate with you, our listeners, is to ask you to subscribe and like the podcast if you actually like it. Why that's good for you is that when you subscribe to a podcast, you no longer need to search for it. You get to receive. You don't have to find new episodes. You don't have to remember to look up certain guests or remember where you left off. The app does all of that for you. So please subscribe to the ROG podcast. See, I often make the assumption that if listeners like ROG, they subscribe. Veronica taught us not to make assumptions and to be clear. In what ways are you making assumptions about something that you thought you communicated? How could you be even more clear? What's one message you've already shared that's worthy of sharing again, perhaps in new ways, a few more times? Veronica shared her other favorite quote from Dr. Maya Angelou, when you learn, teach, when you get, give. What have you learned this week? What's one thing you've learned, maybe you've become more clear, you understand it better now than ever before, that you could share with others? Here's an example. I was doing some research on body language in virtual negotiations for a course I'm leading. I learned so many things, here's one of them. Rather than looking directly at the camera with your body faced toward your laptop when you're having WebEx, Zoom, Teams, FaceTime meetings, turn your body to the side and look at the camera from an angle. Apparently, it makes you more approachable and increases symbioses. I'd like to give you something that I've received when you get give, gratitude. I'm grateful you tune in invest in yourself as a leader, and consider ways to be more generous in your life. Thank you. Be clear with your communication, share what you learn, give what you get. Thanks for listening to ROG, Return on Generosity podcast. Please help us grow by subscribing and reviewing us on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit bridgebetween.com. We grow when we give. 우리는 나누면서 성숙합니다. We grow when we give. 우리는 나누면서 성숙합니다. We grow when we give. We grow when we give.